chasing passion, man. Well, look, I think it's what I'm doing right now in all honesty. It's just literally doing what makes you happy every single day, not having to force yourself to do things, you know, like just have, have a burning desire to actually do them, you know, even when you're tired, even when you are motivated, no matter how passionate you are about something, you're not going to want to do it sometimes, but just having that one thing that is always in the back of your head, you know, that you're always thinking about and just doing everything you can for it. Definition of passion is be willing to do 120 hour weeks while you're working a job for zero pay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, I think that's the definition for me. Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Last time I spoke, which was my own solo episode, I mentioned that I'm going to take a two-week break or perhaps a one-month break from podcasting just to kind of work on the back end of the podcast and so on and so on and so on. But I realized now that um, I need a lot more time and maybe I'll do an episode from time to time, you know, whenever I feel like it. But there was always this kind of, not pressure, but I always felt like I needed to you know, put out an episode every single week, every single week, whatever. But, um, and I'm not quitting this podcast, um, but I do really want to take out some time for myself to kind of become self-aware myself. I, I consider myself to be a pretty self-aware person, but I really want to take some time just to learn, just to, um, yeah, learn, read some books, um, just to inquire within myself and to really find out who it is that I really am uh, might sound woo and stuff but I do want to take out some time to explore and to follow my other curiosities because at the moment I don't have as much free time as I would like to have um, since I'm working a full-time job and then my spare time usually went into this podcast and I never really took the time to explore my own curiosities and what my own interests are so I really want to do that and I'm not sure when the ne- next podcast will be but um, yeah it's going to be this one and another episode next week and I think that, w- that will be it for the time being. Um, maybe I'll throw in an episode from time to time if I ever come across an interesting person that I want to talk to I'll just record a podcast about it but for now I just want to use that time to uh, just to explore just to follow my own curiosities and see see what interests me the most and to really inquire within. So on another topic, today's guest is Jack Spencer. Jack Spencer is someone who I grew up with in school. He was always, you know, very passionate about the stuff he got himself into. So when he was in school, he was very interested in, you know, bodybuilding, powerlifting, health, fitness and all of that stuff and you know he started he became a personal trainer he didn't go to college he became a personal trainer and uh, you know took a different path altogether started po- posting pictures on instagram that most other people wouldn't really post and you know made a youtube channel and then he was into bodybuilding or yeah powerlifting for a long time then he transitioned into powerlifting and then eventually um during the lockdown in in march he started putting more time into 
YouTube, specifically investing. And his YouTube channel grew to 50,000 subscribers, I think, at this point. And he's he's doing well now, so I'm very happy to see that. But yeah, Jack has an interesting story because he was always kind of pursuing his interests. And, you know, it was powerlifting, bodybuilding, and now investing. And I think this is it. I think he really does genuinely enjoy it. So this conversation is about that. This conversation is about him exploring his curiosities and finding, you know, yeah, finding his interests, I guess, and how his YouTube channel exploded in a way and what he did to do that. Of course, Jack worked extremely hard to achieve all this and it's just great to see what he accomplished. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode and without further ado, here's Jack. Jack, welcome to the show or should I say welcome back to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. Very excited to be here. Oh no, uh, we have lots of things to talk about. But I guess I think the natural progression for this, for the start, I guess, is, you know, last time I spoke to you was last summer, I believe, and you were into bodybuilding, you were into powerlifting, and you're doing a bit of YouTube on the side as well. And now you're this big jack investing guy. So tell me, how did you, how did you come to this position? How, what, what made you get into investing? I guess, man, it's a long story, I suppose, but I've always always had an interest in money for one i mean i've always loved making money that's been my thing i I love making money i spend very little like i I really don't spend a lot of money at all Um, and i still don't even now even though we're into more money i just love making it and then so i suppose i've always worked as most people do i didn't go to college or anything like that i was working since i was 18 pretty much you know what i mean and one thing you start to realize is that you're very capped when you're working I mean, no matter how hard you work, no matter how many hours you put in, no matter how many split shifts you do, how many weekends you work, you're capped. You know, you have the money that you make on an hourly basis or you have a salary. And, you know, if you work really hard, you might get an extra 10% a year or something like that. And it just wasn't for me, especially somebody who didn't go to college and somebody who who gets bored, somebody who's doesn't respond very well to authority either, in all honesty. You know, it, it wasn't for me. And so... I was a personal trainer, as we spoke about on the first podcast, mm-hmm. and I, I loved it. You know, I loved training people. It was really fun. But the main thing was for me was um, the lack of being able to gr- progress. You have two main options. One, you can open your own personal training studio, and that is an insane amount of work. And the money still isn't even insane. Like, it really isn't. Unless you're at the top 0.1%, the, the money could be okay, but it's not great, and it's a lot of stress. And then you can open a commercial gym. And in order to do that, you're going to look at a lot of money. And again, you're basically trading your life for that gym. And mm-hmm. neither of those things was something I was willing to do. I, I'm not willing to trade my whole life for anything. You know what I mean? I want financial freedom. I don't want finance to take over my life. You know, I, I want to be able to work so I can do whatever I want. And that's where social media came into play. So me and you were in school together the same year, some of the same classes. Yeah, yeah, you'll, yeah. Rem- you'll, you'll remember I was the first person posting uh, Instagram for, in the gym. I was the first person who was posting all of the topless pictures, man. It's kind of funny saying it now, but I was that first person. And um, so I had exposure to that for over six years. And, you know, the dream was, you know, to get sponsored on Instagram or get an affiliate with my protein. Interesting story there. We can actually talk about my protein later. It's hilarious. But um, noted. Yeah. But basically, Instagram wasn't very good. I, I was successful. I got loads of views. I broke 10,000 followers. It was cool. You don't make any money off it. And it took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I knew people made loads of money on YouTube because it's clear. You just look up how much the YouTubers make. And some of them make disgusting money. 
And I love YouTube. And I was posting. I think you were actually in my very first YouTube video as well, were you? The, I think the so. Rob the Rob Lips one. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you yeah. were in my first YouTube video, man. And I loved YouTube. I liked it a lot more than Instagram because mm. there was so much more freedom. There wasn't a 60-second time limit or just a picture. It wasn't just a caption. You know what I mean? It was it was pure creativity. And so I obviously started with vlogs, fitness, things like that. I experimented. It never really went anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And I started investing. 28th of February was the first time I deposited into my account. So mm-hmm. I thought about investing for a very, very long time. Like, a really long. I've always wanted to do it. And I said, you know what? This is the niche on YouTube. where It's probably the least saturated. There's not many big names. Even if you go and try to find them now, everybody's going to find the same three people at the start. You're going to find Andre Jake, Graham Stephan, and Financial Education. I've interviewed Financial Education Jeremy since I speak with him. I was only in a meeting with one of his team members the other day. But like, they're the three big people you'll find. And then there's there's quite a lot of little guys like me who are, you know, sub 100,000. There's a lot around the one to 5,000 mark. And somehow I broke out, you know, I managed to gain traction on some videos. I understand search engines. So like I was very good at uh, titles. I understood how important titles were. I would spend, man, at the start, especially, I would spend about two hours just on the titles and tags of my videos because I understood, you know, if it goes 10% further and, you know, there's 200 people making the same video with a thousand subs, like that 10% counts. And then, you know, when they're at 2000, you can be at 2200 and, and it goes on. And then by the time they're at 10,000, you're all the way at 20,000. You know what I mean? So I understood the importance of that from day one through Instagram and then thumbnails as well. They're incredibly important, but I just knew how it worked. And then I saw how much money you're making and, and all these numbers started turning in my head. My goal at the start was I, I just said to myself, if I, if I can make 50 euro a day on YouTube, like that's, that's minimum wage, just yeah. for YouTube videos. And I was like, that'd be sick. I still remember it so well, man, right? So I didn't make money for ages. You have to get a thousand subs and then 4,000 watch hours. I didn't get that for a considerable period of time. I was uploading seven to 10 videos a week. In the last six months, I've missed two days. That is all. I post 11 videos a week as it is. You know, this my whole life revolves around it right now. No matter what else I'm doing, I have my videos made. And we got there. The first day I made money on YouTube, man. Oh, it was $1.97. And I was like, oh, yeah, buddy. It was genuinely the most exciting thing. And then fast forward, maybe three weeks or something. And I had my first day that was money. It was $60, okay, which I know is still, it's not the most money in the world, but it was enough to make me realize I've only been doing this for a little while. If I can make $60, that, that's, that's a wage, you know. It's, it's not exactly like I'm going to be a millionaire, but it's a wage. And I love it, man. I still wake up every single day buzzing. I mean, buzzing, man. More, more so than I did back then. I'd be so excited to record my videos. It's given me so many cool opportunities. Like doing another podcast with you. I was doing an interview for a smaller YouTube channel yesterday. I just interviewed three hours ago the CEO and founder of Lordstown Motors. And that video just went live. So many opportunities come your way. And every day is different. So like, I suppose it's all just still so exciting. And it all still feels so new to me. Like I still feel like I don't, I don't really know what's going on. It's something's just kind of clicked. You know what I mean? But I suppose that's how it all began. That's how it all began, really. Mm. no it's a it's a fascinating story and what i love about that is you know like covid kind of ha- happened in february and you said 28th of february you know that's when you started investing and that's when you kind of decided right i'm gonna give this youtube thing a go and you literally went from 1000 subscribers to what you have 34 now 
pretty crazy. And like, why do you think that happened? Like, what did you do differently? Because I mean, a lot of people want to be in that position. Why, why did you, you know, why did you grow exponentially? I guess you said, you know, there's a market for this thing. There's not, there's not that many, you know, huge YouTubers in this area. But I'm curious to know, like, why do you think you succeeded? What, what, what did you do? So it might, I don't want it to come off as arrogant in any way, but man, I worked crazy. I you mean, have to, you have to. Back back then when I started, and keep in mind, this when I was making no money and I was still working a job. YouTube easily did 100 hours a week, I'd say, easily. And that was while I was working a job. And I that was from, that was the grind, man, from 700 subs to maybe two, 3,000 subs. It was disgusting. Now I do probably 80 hours a week but it, it doesn't feel like work you know what i mean because it's it's manageable a lot of it's just maintenance stuff but back then that was it like if i wasn't researching a company i was making a video if i wasn't making a video i was editing my video if i wasn't editing my video i was i was analyzing i mean everything to do with the search engine i was looking at the videos of the people who had made it i was trying to find common themes i i looked into you know the difference it can make if you say certain keywords at the start of your video. I looked at how important tags are. I studied the best, you know what I mean? And it paid off massively. Like, it really did, you know what I mean? So, genu- I was just relentless is the only way I, I, I can put it. Like, I, I, I can't explain enough. Just, I lived and breathed it no matter what. Even when I was at work, like, it was all I was thinking of. You know what I mean? I, I could not stop fascinating over this thing. It was that simple, like. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, I, I mean, you have to put in those hours. And I think that's one of the things that people don't realize. Like, you know, it all looks cool. You know, oh, Jack Spencer has 34,000 subscribers, whatever. This person, 100,000. But like, you have to put in the work. I suppose like it's so much easier for you to do now. Like, because you have, you know, 34 and it's, it's kind of grown exponentially now. But like, I think getting to that 1,000 is it. That was a big milestone for you. Easy, man. It's easy now. It is really yeah. easy now. Because again, now I know how things work. You know what I mean? It's just like a, it's another day now. I wake up, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know when my video is going up. I know what time I'll be done recording. I already have my ideas laid out the night before. I know what current news is out. I know what people are making videos about. I've already studied YouTube and see what videos are doing good. It's all laid out for me. It's it's easy now. You still have to stay concentrated. There's still a lot of work, but it's easy. At the start, man, it was so complicated. And you know, I had videos at the start where we didn't get a hundred views. Mm. You know, I could put seven, eight hours into a video because back then it all took a lot longer because I didn't really know what I was doing. And I could get a hundred views and I could get five subs. You know what I mean? Whereas now, like now if a video doesn't get 10,000 views, I'm upset. I'm like, what, what happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I always think back to those days and I remember my first time getting a thousand views and man, I can't even explain how exciting that was. And then I remember my first time getting 5,000. I was like, this is it, man. I'm going to be the next YouTuber. And we just kept going. And now here we are. Like, here we are. No, it's exciting. And like, you know, you said you were doing like, you know, editing videos, thumbnails, um, coming up with like SEO, search engine optimization, whatever. Um, so what does a typical day look like for you now? What time do you get up? What do, what do you do? Do you have any routines? What, what would a t- typical Jack Spencer day look like? So I kind of have two tip two typical days. Right. I do 11 videos a week, so I double upload Wednesday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So the weekends, more people are on YouTube, more people are off work, you know what I mean? I double upload there, man. I literally, I wake up the same time every day. I wake up at nine still, and then I go to bed at one. The thing about YouTube is you have to be able to post generally between three and five o'clock, depending on the day of the week, because most of the audience is in America. So that's the optimal time to upload. And I like my content to be fresh. So if I get up at that time, then I can make the content. I have the freshest news and it goes up the same day. You know what I mean? So I wake up at nine. I go to bed about one. Uh, going to bed can differ. Sometimes I'll, it'll be two or three. You know, it depends how busy I am. 
Um, as soon as I wake up, the very first thing I'm doing is I'm on my phone. I have a private Discord group now. We can talk about that later as well, but I just see what people are saying. Then I check my emails just because now it's at a stage where I actually get important emails from, from companies, things like that. Then I'll check my Instagram DMs. I can't, I don't get back to everybody because it's at that stage now, but I see if there's any names that I need to take note of in there. Like yes, yesterday when I woke up, there was a message from Lordstown Motors, the company I just did the interview with a few hours ago. And that's how that happened. You know what I mean? So then I had to get up and email them. I don't ever record before 10. I just have that hour to do all of the little bits and pieces so that I don't get distracted. Cause like, that's my, that's my time. Like to do the videos, nothing else matters. I close down my discord. I close down any other social media apps or tabs or anything like that. So the first hour of the day, obviously I, you know, I brush my teeth and I'll go to the toilet. Like, uh, I, I don't really? generally eat. Yeah. Some, sometimes it depends if I'm busy. Um, I don't generally really eat in the mornings right now. Um, cause I just work well when I'm not very full. Then by the time it's 10, I want to either start recording or be very close to recording. So sometimes by the time it's 10, I'm still doing my research. You know, I'm still trying to find a few juicy pieces of news because I always want my videos to have at least a few really juicy points. And sometimes, man, say if a video is 15 minutes long, 14 minutes of it can be incredibly easy to make. But it's just that last minute you're looking for that little gem that sets you apart. That's what can literally take an hour to find, half an hour. Say I make the video, say if I'm doing one video. I usually would have it done by two o'clock, I'd say. You know, I'd have it recorded, edited, and rendered. Um, and then do my thumbnails, do my tags, write the description, all that sort of stuff. Say all that's done completely by half two. From there, I'll go back and I'll, I'll essentially redo all of the little stuff that I did earlier on. So I'll go to my Discord group, I'll check my Instagram, I'll check my emails, my Patreon, things like that. Then if the video goes up at five, so in between, maybe it'll be half two to half three, I do little bits and pieces. I just chill for a bit, man. My brain can only take so much, so I might just lie on the bed, go on Facebook, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Let my brain have a break, get my first real meal. Five goes, the video's up. I'm in the comment section for at least 10, 15 minutes, because again, this is something to do with search engine optimization. If you're in there, if you're yeah. active, if people see your comment and they're more inclined to comment. So I do that for at least 15 minutes. I used to reply to every comment, but now it's literally impossible just because a video can easily get 400 comments. And even if you, even if you can reply to a comment in 30 seconds, you're, you're, you're looking at three and a bit hours of replying to comments. And that doesn't include my Instagram or my discord. So I reply to everything like the first 15 minutes. Then I just have a look at the analytics, see how it's doing. Cause again, search engine, if the video does really poorly, I'll change the title really quickly, or I might even change some of the tags and that works. I've had videos flop in the first 15 minutes that have been some bangers. Cause I changed the thumbnail, not the thumbnail, the actual title. And then evening time comes. This is kind of when I, I spend a bit of time on my actual portfolio and look at the market. So like right now I'm on the interview with you. This is usually where I'd be constantly in my Discord. I'd be looking at the news. I'm, I'm, I'm checking my portfolio, see if I have any good movers, any bad movers, have to see what news is out. Right now there's an Apple conference on, so I'd be watching that if I wasn't on this just to get the news. But I just spend the evenings kind of catching up on everything from the day. So then that can also set me up for the next day. And then I, I don't really stop... I stop twice a week when I see Sophie, my girlfriend. So when I see Sophie, that's the only real downtime I take. And usually I'll see her at about half six or seven. And then again, I'm up at nine and it repeats. So like the only time I really take five plus hours completely doing nothing is when I'm with Sophie twice a week. Hmm. And then double upload days is just what I explained, but without the fluff. I mean, I am on it. I am working, just getting those videos done. Then I do all the fluff in the evening, essentially. Hmm. 
Now, I know you enjoy this so much and, you know, it doesn't feel like work. But, like, what's the ultimate vision? Like, where do you see yourself going? Is it, like, ideally, like, you wouldn't want to work 80 hours every single, you know, week when you're, when you're you know, 40 years of age or whatever. So, like, I'm curious to know, like, where are you, where are you headed? Like, what's your kind of future, future vision? Definitely. Well, like, okay, future vision. It's kind of tough because, no, we're on a podcast now. People listening will understand. So, like, I would like to be able to retire very 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 soon i'm speaking within a few years you know I'm, I'm willing to put in a few years of really really hard work make some crazy money use my investing skills make a lot out of it i was only at an accountant yesterday as well we're trying to figure out if i'm going to be a sole trader or a private company it's probably going to be a private company for tax reasons so like obviously nobody wants to do that work forever even if it is really fun but i could easily and i mean really easily see myself maintaining this for three years at a very minimum you know what i mean and it's also, I can still take days off. I mean, me and Sophie, next week, uh, I'm going to Dublin for two nights. I'll pre-record videos. I'll do pretty much two 12-hour days. I'm going to have a full day off, you know what I mean? Which to me is fine. So there still is a lot of flexibility, I suppose. That's one of the parts of being your own boss. I, I still decide, you know, if, if I need a day off, I take it. it. It's As I said, I've taken two off in the last six months because I, I just needed them. And, and people understand it's not like your channel is going to die. Long-term goal, though, like, I mean, I want to have a lot of money. I want a lot of money in property. I want a few properties for myself. Then I want to essentially retire off of property and a dividend-based portfolio. So, like, very different to what I'm actually doing now. But I just want to grind. I've seen the money that YouTube can make. And I do genuinely think that if I am to just keep up my pace now, within three years, by the time I'm 25, approaching 26, I'll be set quite literally for life. You know what I mean? So that's another thing that makes it really easy to work so much is – I could just retire in three or four years and it's it's just ridiculous to say that but it's possible with YouTube you know what I mean yeah no that's fair um and the other question I had for you is the sponsorship now you mentioned that you have a sponsorship now I've no I've no idea what that is or I've no knowledge about that so can you just kind of tell us what the sponsorship what sponsorship is and yeah what happened there so I'm, I'm in speaks with a few people right now. Mm-hmm. This was, um, this is essentially a, a company who comes to me and asks for a video on their company. So a video profile. So like my videos, I, I review companies, I speak about them, give my thoughts and opinions. So a company, well, actually a middleman came to me. They're a company called Future Money Trends and they work on behalf of all these publicly traded companies. So, you know, massive companies, billions and billions of dollars they're worth. You know what I mean? Or at least, at least hundreds and hundreds of millions. And so, Basically, they come to us and we're advertisers. You know what I mean? So they pay me to make a video on the company. So this one in particular, it was, um, can I can I speak figures? I'm fine with speaking figures. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So so this one in particular was, it was a company called Caldas Gold. Um, I didn't speak with them at all. I spoke with the middleman. And for one video, it was $7,500. You know what I mean? And then this is the kind of thing where they will generally present you with an opportunity every one to two months. Um, and then obviously that price gets negotiable. The first one was just kind of test the water, see how the video would actually do. But the goal would definitely be to get more out of them on a per video basis. But it's just doing what I do every day, except getting paid a lot more than what YouTube pays you. You know what I mean? So that was the sponsorship. It's not like a, what you might think in the fitness world where people pay you a wage, but it's just a, a one-off sum for a video. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I think I think YouTube is a very cool business model because, I mean, like you said, you're going to put in time now. So, like, well, for the next three years until you're 26, 27. And, I mean, you're going to you're gonna grow. Like, and unless YouTube completely dies and something else happens, like, um, you're pretty much good because, like, people are going to be watching your videos 10 years, like, you know, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line. They're, they're never going to get old, I guess. And that's really cool because you're always going to be, it's a passive source of income. And I love the way you're thinking about, you know, real estate because, like, that's also passive income so you can literally just retire and do do whatever you want i mean you can go i don't know and i, I can only assume that you're going to continue making youtube videos but probably not at not at 11 videos per week <laughs> yeah yeah i do like as of right now i have zero intentions of wanting to stop and yeah, I, I could yeah. well see myself doing this in 10 plus years yeah or whatever the the next youtube is as youtube's been around a very long time i don't think it's going to be gone in 10 years yeah but um, there's always going to be another youtube there's always yeah. going to be another platform it's, it's necessary it's one of the best places in the world to advertise you know mm. second probably only to facebook not even necessarily second they're fighting for the first for the first top basically mm. but um there's always going to be advertising platforms that's all youtube is to the people who pay us you know what mm. i mean I, i'm just making videos but it's a it's advertising it's just like television you know what i mean that that's all it is mm. Yeah, that's fair. And like, do you get any of those days where you just feel like, oh, I don't want to do any more work or like whenever we feel overwhelmed or stressed out? Like, what? how do you tend to deal with that? Do you just kind of get on with your day and just make the videos anyways? Or what do you do? Well, yeah, often, man. A lot more often yeah. than people would probably think at least, uh, at very least once a week. But honestly, it could you can even say twice a week. Like, I, mm. I wake up tired. I'd much rather not spend 10 hours making videos on a particular day. You know, I'd rather just sit back and play the PlayStation. I'll be honest, man, today, this morning wasn't a very good morning. I just woke up really tired. Uh, I knew there was too much I had to do today. So it was that simple. I mean, I have an interview with a CEO today on a company that I love. It's my second biggest holding. He he founded the other company that is my biggest holding. That's not the kind of thing you can just brush off. You know what I mean? There, there's a quote everybody knows. Is it's bosses, something to do with bosses setting meetings with themselves and the bosses don't cancel the meetings. It's like, I'm the boss. I've set the hours. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to cancel them. You know what I mean? Right, so yeah, like, yeah. Th- this morning didn't feel good at all, man. And I'll be honest. I didn't really do anything till like half 10, which for me is weird. I didn't have to record a video because that was obviously our time. We recorded that at like two o'clock. So I was kind of actually fortunate that I didn't have to go and find a video idea because <laughs> it actually meant I could just chill out in the morning a bit. But uh, yeah, man, this was a bad morning actually, but it's been a great day. You know what I mean? I, I kind of just remember this feeling when that happens. I remember that, you know, some of the days where I've woke up the least motivated is where I've had the absolute best days on youtube and today is one of them i mean that video i obviously haven't checked it since being on the call with you but it was my best performing video in the first 30 minutes ever before i came on here so i can only assume it's doing quite well you know what i mean and like how do you get your video ideas because i mean you're doing 11 videos per week and that's a lot you know that's a lot of videos and eventually you have to run out um so i'm just curious to know like how do you know what kind of video you want to produce so it brings value to the audience like what's your process very difficult and this is something i realized early on was that you can't come up with 11 video ideas a week it's ridiculous Mm. it it can't be done they can't be of good quality at least so i somewhat have become known on youtube in regards to particular ev companies so i've kind of found my niche on youtube there's a lot of people who speak about ev but that's what i would be known for as well what's ev electric vehicles oh right so so electric vehicle stocks is what i speak about the most it's what i'm most interested in it's my biggest holdings so there's like, there's five companies. There's Workhorse, my biggest holding. I love them to pieces. I've interviewed their CFO twice. My favorite company in the world. 
Then there is Diamond Peak Holdings. They're um, doing a merger with Lordstown Motors, the company I spoke about today. My second biggest holding. Love them to pieces. Then we have Tesla. Obviously, everybody listening is going to know who Tesla is. You know what I mean? So I still don't do as well with my Tesla videos because I'm sure you can imagine there's lots of big channels. They're one of the most popular companies in the world. Everybody speaks about them. Workhorse and Lordstown are two companies that have so many people behind them, but not a lot of big YouTubers speak about. Then there's uh, Neo and Hylion. Hylion's another one where a lot of the smaller channels like me speak about them, but I'm becoming, I suppose, one of the bigger small channels. You know what I mean? So I make a video on Workhorse every single Friday. I make a video on Lordstown, Lordstown now at least once a week. Every Friday, I upload a video speaking about the stocks I bought this week. So there's three videos that are set in stone. Every Saturday, I upload a 10 stocks to watch the next week video. So four of those 11 videos are essentially set in stone. You know what I mean? And then I can always fall back on Hylion, another company I usually speak about once a week. Then there's Neo. I probably speak about them once every two weeks. Then there's the big tech companies. A lot of people know me from big tech as well. So Facebook, Amazon, Apple in particular. Apple has loads of news coming out lately. It's easy to make a video on them once a week. Then I probably only actually make four videos a week that are about companies I wouldn't usually speak about. You know what I mean? So I have to find a way where I can produce this content, but not, you know, work 120 hours a week <laughs> like I was at the start. I, was, I can manage 70, I can manage 80. So a lot of the videos I make are about the same companies. So I have done like dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of research into these company and the videos are just top-ups, you know? So I have the knowledge there. I'm just bringing the most up-to-date news. And a lot of people come into my channel for those videos in particular. So that was how I found it out. You know, there's a lot of people who will only upload two to three videos a week and will do better than me because you know they put a, a they concentrate a lot more time into their videos and it's about different companies but um this is just the way i found that works for me and i, lo- I like making them every day and i like being up to date with the newest news i don't like making generalized videos as much so that that's kind of how i streamlined it because it'd be impossible to do what i do 11 original ideas every single week i genuinely think it would be impossible without a team yeah no yeah no i completely understand i kind of like that approach as well where you have like you know you have a base okay i'm going to talk about workhorse on one day or whatever i'm going to talk about tesla and so on so you always have a structure you always have something to talk about and i suppose there's always news coming out within these companies so you can always you know there's always going to be videos to to come out um well there's always going to be videos available or video ideas based on those uh, companies alone i can tell you i don't know what i'm doing tomorrow mm. and i can make a video on apple if i want because as i said that their conference is on right now i don't really want it i don't plan on doing it but if i can't come up with anything else you bet i'm making a video on apple it's, it's, there's always something you know what i mean and uh, i mean there's always something in regards to every single publicly traded company in the world they're the biggest companies in the world there is always something you know there's always news you just have to find it you know what i mean so i'll go to bed tonight I'll know that I can make a video on Apple if I want to. I could also make a video on Hylian if I wanted to. I could also make a video on Workhorse if I wanted to. There's always options, you know what I mean? Mm. Now, early on in the podcast, you mentioned Discord. Now, I want to know what this Discord thing is um, and what's like what's your plan with, with Discord? What are you doing? Is that just like a general kind of chat for your audience just to kind of bounce ideas off each other? How does it work? Yeah, there, there's two different aspects to my Discord. So I have free channels. So there's two or three channels in that anybody can join. We're up to, I think, 1,200 odd members in there. So just anybody can join, speak about stocks. They get two or three different channels. Then I have a Patreon. So people can pay a monthly subscription to get access to private Discord channels. So I think right now we're up to like 160 or so people there. So, you know, these are investors who obviously really love what I do and they, they want to be part of this community, but more so than the free community where there's it's so many people and it's hard to even talk 
And then in the private channels as well, I give people my buy and sell alerts. So whenever I buy or sell a company, I give it to them in real time, how many I bought, the price I bought at, the reasoning behind it. I also give them a new ticker symbols that I'm watching. So new stocks that I'm watching. I give them breaking news before it makes it to YouTube. I let them know I had this interview coming up today. They all felt good. They got to uh, contribute questions to the actual interview. You know what I mean? So they felt included. So that's just, um, it's not necessarily passive income because I spend time in there, but it, it does not feel like work at all. It feels like I'm just texting my friends. You know what I mean? But uh, it's nice because it's, it's $10 a month. And as I said, there's 160 people in there. I think Discord takes like $1 per person. So off that alone, that's nearly, you know, a wage that I would have been on a few years ago, just off the Discord channel, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. Um, pretty cool. And what I, love, what, what I love about that too is, you know, in Discord, you, like you said, you're talking like, well, it doesn't feel like work and you're just talking to your friends, whatever. But like, these are all very like-minded people who are into investing. And I'm sure you learn a lot from that Discord chat alone, you know? So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, sometimes I feel a bit weird because it's like these guys can be giving me video ideas <laughs> and I'm charging them $10 a month. Yeah. <laughs> but like at the same time, if if you didn't have a fee on it at all, it would just be messy. There would be 1,200 investors there. Everything would get lost. And you kind of, you know that you're getting quality people who really share, share somewhat similar values to you and share the same investing thought process as you if they're going to pay you. If they watch your videos and appreciate you that much, they're going to pay you to be able to speak with your community everybody's like-minded i've not had one issue in that chat you know what i mean so it's really cool but it is i love i, I genuinely love it in there because I, I was speaking about i speak with my mom and dad about everything that i go ahead and do i still respect their opinions a lot and i was like i'm just really worried because i was already so busy before i had the discord i was really worried it's going to take up too much of my time and then i remember after a week of having it, i was like i love this mm. discord it actually de-stresses me at times you know when i'm thinking about having to make a video or something i go in there and it's nice you know so it's weird it's an income stream but it actually, at the same time, it's it's one of my my fun things to do, funnily enough. Because I just love speaking about stocks as well, man. I could speak about them all day long. You know what I mean? So when I'm able to speak with people who know what they're talking about, it's enjoyable. Because most mm. of the time, it's just me speaking to a camera. You know what I mean? And mm. um, oh, speaking to camera, um, like what I love about that is, you know, you were you were kind of like like you said, you were the first guy in our school or even in Wexford, um, to post pictures of yourself um you know just like you know yeah just post post pictures of yourself in the gym or whatever and that kind of got you comfortable to doing youtube and what i love about that is you know you kind of you kind of just followed your curiosity you're like okay i'm interested in gym i'm gonna start posting you know pictures get into this whatever and that kind of got you comfortable behind the camera and then when it came to covid you prepared you're like right i'm gonna do this youtube thing and take it seriously and then boom look what happened so i think that's i, I love the whole process of that happening because like it, it it's not like it happened in february like you were doing this for like for five plus years before that and i think a lot of people don't see that you know a, a lot of people don't see the the work that you did before that they're like oh jack just blew up suddenly but you were doing a lot of work before that Oh man, so so many people think like that. They really, really do. It's like so many people think I, I, you just got lucky. It, it was overnight, you know. Out of nowhere, I had ten thousand subs. But then, I mean, literally, that there was sixteen hour days there. You know what I mean? There was, as I said, hundred, hundred and twenty hour weeks there for not just once. I mean, for months and months on end. I mean, it was relentless. Like that's not even including my job. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was nonstop and another quote i love is the harder you work the luckier you get man and that stands with me and that's another one that i I say to myself every single time i wake up like this morning i literally i'm not even lying i said it to myself out loud multiple times this morning i was like the harder you work the luckier you get there there could be you know on youtube realistically 
maybe there's 50 people with a with a channel in finance within 10,000 subs either side of me. I mean, they all want it just as much as I do, but who's going to actually put in the work every single day or who's going to take the day off? You know what I mean? And that's that's the difference. And I genuinely think that's what's helped me grow so quickly is just like I refuse to be outworked. I mean, you might be better than me. You might make better videos than me. You know what I mean? But I will not be outworked. And it's that simple, man. Hmm. I've always had that mindset. Though. I had that when I was in the gym. I had that as a personal trainer. It's just it's just who, who I am. When, I, when I'm passionate about something, I, I'll give it everything, everything until I drop dead like, yeah, I mean, you have to. Otherwise, there's no option to succeed, really. Well, there's no other way to succeed. You have to have that mindset. Otherwise, like you look at all the people. You, you look at Kobe Bryant. Look at You look at his mindset. You look at MJ. You look at anyone out there. Like, they all have this mindset, you know. I will not be outworked. Like, they, they get up. They do the work regardless. And I think you just have to have the relentless attitude um, towards your passion. And first of all, you have to find what you're passionate about because you can't put in the hours if you're not passionate about something. I just can't see anyone, you know, working 100 hours per week doing some job or whatever they don't like i mean if you enjoy it cool but like you have to find something that you love and i guess that's why this podcast is created as well just to help people do that but yeah no 100 percent, you have to have that attitude i completely agree with that man another i'm full of quotes today for some reason but another one about, i don't even, i don't even know if it's something that somebody said but it's something that's in my head for a long time is that passion can't be faked and this is something that i have had to think about many times in the past man when it came to things like Instagram, you know, I thought I was passionate about Instagram. I, I really, truly did. But then I, I just wasn't, you know, and the same even happened to me as, as sad as it is to say with the gym a few times, you know, I was like, I just wanted, I, I wanted to be passionate. I really did. Like I wanted to want to be passionate. It's, it cannot be faked. And I think this is my first time where I actually like really found a passion. Maybe when I was 16 and getting into the gym, 16 through 17, the actual gym was a major passion. I mean, I would have done anything for it. You know what I mean? But now I think this is the first time that since then I I found an actual passion. Like I would do it all day, every day for fun. You know what I mean? Obviously, you need to make a living as well, and the money's nice. But I mean, I would do it for fun. Hmm. Yeah, and like when you mentioned passion and you know doing it for fun, I think I think initially when you begin some any any kind of venture, it's always you 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 never know what you're doing really, and you kind of have to learn as you go. And that kind of happened with you, I think. Well, I can only assume it happened with you. Like you, obviously, you weren't born with investing knowledge since a young age, whatever. You had to learn it yourself. So, you know, in February, whatever, I think that's when you started your, you, you know, you started taking YouTube seriously. So, I'm very curious about how did you actually, you know, begin learning about the things um, that you're doing now? How did you begin learning about investing? How did you know what to do? How did you know, you know, all this? Or like, yeah, what was your process in learning? I mean, how did you start? You know, the whole, yeah, the learning process interesting enough like like i think investing is something that's always going to be evolving and your mindset in regards to it's going to change like my mindset in, revol- in regards to investing has changed so much over the last three months than only six months ago when i get started like just just uh, you learn a little bit more about how it works that's why i always say to people if anybody in here is considering investing invest less than you want to i promise you it'll be the best thing you do like i completely changed my outlook within three months you know what i mean so if i had have just gone all in I would have been like, damn, I would have had to sell these companies either at a loss or a gain. And I would have had to take short-term capital gains tax at 33%. So either way, I realistically would have lost out. Whereas I started off so unsteady. Now I actually have a thesis. I've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours looking into it. I understand things a bit better. I, I, I only invest in companies I really believe in now. I, I know my risk tolerance. But like it all just started with an interest. Like the same way you go on to youtube and look at a lot of what happened with me at the start was youtube i really was the guys i said at the start of the video graham stefan in particular and financial education jeremy 
I watched so, so many of their videos and I tried to study them. And this wasn't for entertainment purposes. This was me trying to figure out how to invest. You know what I mean? And YouTube only takes you so far. And then you start looking at people who are actually not like on YouTube. I think there's a lot of entertainment value. I mean, I bring that's why a lot of people watch me. I think is I'm like, I'm speaking about stocks, but I'm like this, I'm jumping around the place. Uh, I, I actually have a horse mask. This is an exclusive. I, I ordered a horse mask. for My workhorse videos coming up this Friday. You don't see investors do that. You know what I mean? So then I started to realize that, yeah, these are good. It's a good starting point. I'm learning the basics. And that's what, that's what YouTube was for me. I learned the absolute basics. Then man, <laughs> I started trying to analyze companies myself and I'm looking through their quarterly reports, their Q10s. I'm looking through their yearly reports. I'm looking at their balance sheets and I'm like, I'm looking at their SEC filings, and I mean, it's 200 pages long. Where do I even begin to look? Man, I remember reading through Delta Airlines. Uh, it was one of their filings. I forget what it was, but it was like 200 pages long. I read the whole thing. It was the biggest waste of time in my whole life, man. That's not how it works. You don't have to do that. But I did it because I thought it would help, and it was a lesson learned nonetheless. It was just hours. It was time put into it. It was every time I was looking through an official document, I see something I don't understand. I would search it. I would figure out what it means. I would make it make sense in my head. It was like with anything. It's just you, you learn as you go along. Nobody was born a genius at it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you we all have to put in the time to learn something. Um, and you also mentioned at the start of the interview, my protein. Now, this is completely, completely, completely different to what we're talking about. But I'm very curious what happened there with my protein. <laughs> Everything we've said so far, yeah. I've always been to the gym, man. Yeah, yeah. It was 16, 17, 18 year old year old Jack's dream to be affiliated, sponsored by my protein, right? The CEO of the company slid into my Instagram DMs the other day because he watches the videos, okay? And I was just, I was like, I just thought it was another DM. I went into it, I went to the profile. He's the CEO, and I was like, seek. And then he said, um, I want to, we had it, we chatted back and forth a few times. We've spoken for the last couple of weeks. And then he just dropped it on me the other day. He goes, I want to speak with our American team in regards to either sponsorship or affiliateship. And I was just like, man, for the last six years, that was literally my dream. But you found me through my finance content. You know what I mean? I was like, this is all I wanted for such a long time. So I don't know if anything's going to come of it. I don't know if, if I'll get an offer that I want to take. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'd even have the audience where I could make anything of it. But it was just so interesting to me that, you know, even something like that can come from a, a financial data channel. Hmm. And they, actually, as well, their company's going public, the Hook Group. I think a week or two, they're going public. So I'll be keeping my eyes up to date with them. It'll be interesting. Well, that's pretty cool the way it all just adds up. Like, I mean, you always wanted to, you know, get involved with them. And then, boom, five years later, whatever, they're looking at your content, uh, at your finance, finance videos, which is completely unrelated to fitness. I mean, yeah, I mean, it all adds up. Like, I mean, that's that's pretty cool yeah it is it's funny man when you when you just because like it's starting to happen more and more often now i'm having more ceos cfo ceos reaching out to me and it's like what are you doing on my instagram dms i'm still just some random kid on the internet just because i speak about stocks i still have my whiskey bottles behind me you know what <laughs> I mean? i'm still just me it was hilarious interviewing the ceo earlier on he goes uh I love the I love the mini bar behind you, and I was like, "Thanks." I was like, "Yeah, I've gotten loads of comments about it before." You know, people saying that I shouldn't have it when I'm interviewing CEOs or CFOs, and he was like, "No, it's cool." And I was like, "You see, we're all adults, we're normal people." But that's just I'm just me. I, I don't want to change for anyone. It was like I was even laughing to my mom about it the other day when I went to the account, and I was just I rocked up in my my jeans. I rocked up in a black hoodie. I was in all black. I was just like. I don't really, I'm not putting on a shirt. I'm not putting on a tie. You know, this is me. Take it or leave it, you know.
Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And, you know, a lot of people do investing. A lot, a lot of people are interested in investing and so on. So, like, what kind of um, advice would you give to these people who want to become better investors, I guess? I know you're not a financial advisor, but, um, yeah, can you just can you just tell me, uh, like, what kind, of, what kind of tips would you give to people who perhaps have no idea what like how to invest it never started like where where's a good place to start yeah i've been asked this a lot and it's, it's really hard to answer so i mean a good place to start i know i'm biased but youtube not necessarily my youtube at all but youtube videos again by andre jick graham stefan and financial education three really big uh, channels i think jeremy's on like five hundred thousand. andre's just under a million and graham has two points of million um Get the basics. Just look up Investing for Beginners and any of the videos by those three people are going to be a great place to start. I know actually Jeremy from Financial Education has some really in-depth ones. And then once you have the absolute basics, just start watching videos of somebody like me looking into a new company. Because then what you're going to see is you're going to see how it starts. And you're going to see that, you know, this is how I value a company. If you look at a different channel, they're going to try value a company the different way. And that's what I learned over the last six months is that everybody is going to have a different investment style. And there is loads of different investment styles. So you have to figure out which one's for you. But again, as I briefly said earlier in the video, don't even care about the money at the start and start with way less than you want to. Because I mean, if you want to be a long-term investor, which is what I think investors generally are, if unless you're a day trader, you're somebody playing Forex. If you want to be a long-term investor, do you really think that if, if you have a, a, a 30, 40 or 50 year time span that, you know, going all in instead of taking it slowly over the span of six months is even going to matter? I mean, in that time span, it's going to mean nothing. You know what I mean? So it's going to lead to a lot less stress and anxiety. If you don't understand what you're investing in, it's going to be a horrible, horrible experience. You're going to see your companies go down. You're going to be like, why are they going down? And then you're going to second guess yourself. You'll sell at a loss. The next day, they'll be up 20%. You'll be like, why did I sell? Just be confident before you even start investing. You know, just just practice. It's like anything else. I think I was lucky that it turned into my job. So, you know, where most people might might study the markets two to five hours a week, I, I was literally doing it 50 plus hours a week. You know, so you get to learn a lot quicker. So you get a lot more experience. But funnily enough, the main piece of advice I have for people who want to invest is just don't really invest or else invest very little until you're confident. That, that's the main thing. Mm. Or you could even do the. I'm not. I I don't invest myself personally, but um, well, I will at some stage. But um, what I was gonna say, you can nearly do the. I was I was trying to play around with it once, and you can do the like the virtual investing too. Is that like you can you can do that too? Can you? It's it's worthwhile, definitely. Mm. Yeah, there's just they give you fake money to play with. Mm. But um, the one thing about those is uh, things get a lot more real. Like you won't be emotionally attached to fake money. Mm. Yeah. When it's your money mm. on it, like if you see fake money go down ten percent you're going to be like, ah, who cares? What I'll do is I'll just double down. You know, I have all this fake money to play with. If I just double down now, I'll probably make it back. Whereas if it's your real money and it goes 10%, how are you going to react? You know what I mean? Are you are you going to be upset about that? Are you going to panic sell? It's a good place to play around with, no doubt about it, but it's it's nothing compared to the real thing. And like it was even like me at the start, I only I started with a 1,000 euro investment. I very quickly got up to like 2,500. And I joined during the worst crash that has happened in a very, very, very long time. And my portfolio was down over 25% um, at one stage. Now, it was only 2,500 invested, which at the time to me was actually money. It was decent money. You know, it's not like I was about to go bankrupt or anything. It was decent money to be playing with. And so I was down like 700 euro or so. And I was like, what? What is going on? But but I I, I also believed in the companies I had, I had held on to. I understood it was a really weird economic time. I was able to hold them. 
a lot of people in that position would have said, I'm cutting my losses, investing is not for me. I'm running away with my negative 700 euro. Whereas now if you show, if I showed you my portfolio, you'd say, oh, if I had have held, it would have been okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. And like, is the economic situation, or like how was, I feel like this whole period with coronavirus was very different, like was very unique for the investing community. And I'm very curious to know, like, uh, like what has changed since then? Like, um, how are you looking at things now? Is it all kind of back to normal? Well, like, it's really weird. It's really weird. Mm. And the thing is, we generally invest in American companies. So I need to know more about U.S. politics, U.S. Econo- eh, economics, things like that than I do. But I, I know so much more about American Ireland right now. It's not even mm. funny. Like, But um, things have changed. Like, the thing is, there's uptrends happening everywhere in regards to jobless claims, in regards to people traveling, in regards to money being spent in the economy. There are uptrends everywhere. But we're not back to where we were, not even anywhere close to where we were beforehand. The market's not reflecting that. The market is up massively. Now, the Federal Reserve pumped trillions of dollars into the market. So some people are calling it artificial. But the thing is, the Fed's not exactly going to sell all those assets and cause a crash. Like, it is their job to keep the economy normal. So they were able to print all that money, pump it in. The Fed also just announced average target inflation. So simply put, I'm sure everybody will have an understanding of what inflation is. It's just a the concept of that money gets worth a little bit less every year. So if you have a hundred euro this year and you go to the shop and let's say you buy 100 items next year, inflation could be 2%. You would actually want to get 98 items. You know what I mean? So in America, mm. they've always wanted to keep below 2%. Well, I say always for a very long period of time, keep below 2%. They've actually kept well below it for a while. So they've actually introduced average target inflation. So they're actually going to let it go above 2% and it'll average out over, say, the last 10, 15 years to 2%. So that's another thing that's going to keep the markets up in particular, just because it means uh, cheaper interest rates. It's, it's going to be cheaper for companies to take out loans if needed. So especially for a lot of the companies I invest in, the smaller cap companies, the startups, the growth stocks, it's better for them. It's still, they're still not in a good position. They're, we're in a better position you know, like nobody knows what's going to happen at the end of the day. Under normal circumstances, nobody knows what the market's going to do. Under these circumstances, man, nobody has a clue. I don't care who you are, the best investor in the world. Nobody has a clue at the end of the day. It's all speculation. That's when being confident in your investments comes into play as well. Because I know that tomorrow, if I woke up, my portfolio had lost 20% overnight, I'd be fine. Like I, I would not worry about it whatsoever. Uh, that's a very extreme. That's never going to happen. So that's a very extreme example. But um. Yeah, it's a weird time over there, man. It's a it's a very weird time still to get investing, to be honest. Mm. And what do you think the future investing looks like? Like good. Like there's not ever been a very, very prolonged period in history where you haven't made money investing. You know mm. what I mean? Not in not if you're looking at, you know, broader markets, the S P five hundred, the Nasdaq, all that good stuff, even the Dow Jones. If you hold long enough, you'll make money. It depends on what you want to make. Like I'm a different kind of investor. In general, long-term investors, the benchmark is the S&P 500. And the S&P 500, generally you're going to want 10 to 15% a year returns. Whereas with me, I, I want growth. Like I want aggressive. My portfolio is up over 5% today. You know what I mean? And S&P 500, like your average safe dividend portfolio might go up or down 0.2% a day under normal circumstances. Whereas with me, a slow day is 2%. You know what I mean? Yesterday we were up 6%. Today, we're probably going to close the day up five or so. Another day, I could be down six. You know what I mean? But um, mm. in general, man, investing is always going to be relatively safe. If you're a safe investor and you're happy with relatively slow returns, over the span of 30 years, it still adds up mentally. But for me, I, I just like being more aggressive in my investing. It's just who I am personally. Mm. And like speaking of investing and, you know, 
you you said it was safe. Like I'm sure there's some places. Well, you kind of have to have a knowledge of you know to know what is safe to invest in. For example, real estate might be considered safe because you know people are always going to need houses, whatever, especially in the city. But I'm curious to know, like, if you let not 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 specifically stocks. Like, what are some good places to invest money in that like is definitely sure? I, I've heard of index funds before. Like, yeah, where where's a good place to invest money for the average kind of a uh, person out there? So, like, when I said safe, that I should, uh, safe's definitely a wrong word, especially if you don't have a basic understanding of things. Mm. The, my investing style is not safe at all. I mean, it really isn't. You know what I mean? A lot of uh, I will, I will more than likely invest in multiple companies who will do very, very poorly. But I think ultimately, I'll invest in many who will do very, very well, and I'll get into them before they're mainstream. In regards to safer investments, okay? Well, I mean, real estate in general is going to be safe because for one you're going to rent it out. That's going to pay for the mortgage in itself. It's essentially risk-free. Even if the property depreciates in value for a short period of time, your mortgage is still covered and you're still going to make all of the value back on that house by the time it comes to sell. Unless you're very silly and your rent doesn't cover the mortgage, which would be ridiculous. So I think if you have the money, real estate's very safe. And that's why it is actually where I plan, oh geez, <laughs> where I actually plan on a lot of my money going in the future indexes like you just said so when i was saying the s&p and the dow jones all that stuff their indexes so the s&p 500 is pretty much the most popular one in the world okay and that is basically imagine you invest in one stock okay that's the s&p 500 and that consists of the 500 biggest market cap companies in the us so the 500 most valuable companies in the us you buy a tiny little piece of each of them so you can imagine that in general if the economy is going up that's going to go up you know, because they're going to be making more money, they're going to be getting better. So generally, that's what people will do. When You know, when you think of pensions and stuff, okay, a lot of p- pension money will be in index funds. It will be in the S&P 500 and things of the likes. There's a UK one, the FTSE 100. Again, the 100 just means it's the 100 biggest companies in the UK. Then we have the NASDAQ. So that's an index. Now, the NASDAQ is predominantly big tech companies, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Google, all of those ones. But the S&P 500 is going to be the main one that people hear about. Because literally, say if you're in the S&P 500, one company goes bankrupt, there's 499 others. You know what I mean? It's not going to drag it down. So that's essentially what an index is. If you were going down the route of stock market investing, that's probably literally the safest place you can put your money. I think it has average annualized returns after accounting for inflation of over, I think it's 12, 13% or so every year for decades and decades. You know what I mean? Now, some years that's going to be 30%. Sorry, some years you're going to lose 10%. But if you have a very long time horizon, that's pretty much the, the safest place. I, I Again, very cautiously use the word safe because there's nothing safe about it. Real estate, I do think is very good. And it is what I plan on, you know, putting a lot of my money into. Aside from that... There's not too much that interests me. Obviously, you have a look at bonds. Bonds are of zero interest to me just because the return is so low. Just like I could not be bothered waiting for a a two percent annual return. It just <laughs> your money's going to get like the, the percentage you're getting bad, back is less than inflation. So what's the point? There are certain times bonds are good, but if you're just an everyday person, it's generally not your bet. The worst place to leave it is probably your credit union where they're going to give you like half a percent a year. If you want to invest, that is, if, if you just want the credit union, cause you want to, you know, build up credit for a car loan or a mortgage or anything like that is fine. But if you're doing it as an actual investment, it's the worst place you can leave it. But um, yeah, there, there's not a lot of safe places or else everybody would do it. You know what I mean? Everybody would do it. If you, if I could tell you that I can guarantee you 15% of your money this year, you don't have to do anything. Everybody would do it. Hmm. 
for sure, yeah. And, you know, when you mentioned the SNP or whatever, is that only in the US or can anyone from any country um, invest in index funds? Like, or is it, how, how does the whole process work? Because I literally have no idea. <laughs> in Ireland, we can't actually directly enlist into that particular index fund, but there are kind of uh, companies who essentially copy it. Mm-hmm. But if you were to go through an actual broker in Ireland like say if you didn't want to manage your own portfolio at all you went to a financial advisor a financial manager they could invest in it for you you know what I mean so the big names can I can't just open up my investment app on my phone and do it but there are loads of index funds I could I don't invest in any index funds just because I, I love the excitement in, in investing you know it's not necessarily what most people think of when you think of investing and especially safer ways but uh no simply simply put in in Ireland we can't invest in the major US indices or indexes Right, I get you. Okay, so you 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 kind of love you love the rush. You love the rush of investing. <laughs> I mean, let me just talk to you about Diamond Peak Holdings. Okay, Lordstown Waters, the company whose CEO I interviewed earlier on. Mm. So I spoke about these more than a couple of months ago. Was it a couple of months ago? August, September? No, but about a month and a half ago, maybe it was announced that they're going to be going public through a merger. Okay, and so when that happened, they were about twelve dollars a share after the first day of trading. You know, they went live at ten. Banks had bought blah blah blah. We're at twelve dollars a share yesterday we just hit $30 a share you know what I mean like I bought these guys at 12 I bought them at 14 I bought them at 17 I have a cost basis of 15 within the span of four weeks I was up 100% in the company you know what I mean if I was to invest in the S&P 500 that's going to take five to six years you know what I mean it's like it, it it's a bit boring to me <laughs> you know until you're I think the, the safer things get the lesser returns are but also the closer you get to retirement essentially the safer I think you should get if I lost my whole portfolio tomorrow, it wouldn't mean anything to me. You know, I'm, I'm still making money. I have a lot of years. I have decades to make money. Yeah. Whereas if I was, if I was, say, your average person, I was 50 and I, I want to retire very soon. And I have a lot of my money in Lordstown Motors and Workhorse and I very else little sales. I, I wouldn't very much so advise that. <laughs> you know, I'd be getting into the safer companies who might like, we'll just give you a little bit of a return every year, enough to retire off. It, it really mm. depends on the goal. But that yeah. is, yeah, I'm, I'm young and I'm aggressive with my investing. I have a high risk tolerance. and I've, I'm in a weird situation where money is growing exponentially every month. So it's like I can afford to invest more and more every month. So it almost doesn't mean as much to me. I just like seeing the numbers go up. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And I think like I think a lot of people actually say the same thing, like pretty much like you hear Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, whatever. They're like, you know, take risk when you're young because like you know when you're when you're in your 30s 40s you're gonna have a family you need to take care of and it's gonna be a lot more stressful but when you're young when you're like in your 20s early 30s i mean you can afford to do the, all these things you can afford to be you know be a bit risky and learn as you go and i suppose that the more you risk the more you re- bleh, the, the better rewards you'll get but um yeah absolutely i i agree with that i, mean, I just think when you're young man i mean I could lose everything tomorrow. And yeah, I'd, I'd be all right. Like you know, mm. even if I lost my YouTube channel, if I lost, if I lost everything, if I woke up tomorrow and I had absolutely nothing, I mean, I'm still 22. You know, I, yeah, I can start again, regardless of anything else. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just such, it's a safe position, and since it's a safe position, you can afford to take more risk. That's the way I like to look at it. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what are some popular misconceptions about investing? Okay. Hmm. Well, going off of my DMs, that it's uh, that people really know what's happening <laughs> because a lot of the time there's a lot of luck involved. Okay, there really is. No matter how much research you do, no matter what investor you are, 
you're going to make really good decisions and really bad decisions. I'll bring up Warren Buffett. Everybody's going to know who Warren Buffett is. He sold a lot, and I mean a lot of airline stocks. We're speaking hundreds of millions worth of airline stocks, if not billions. I actually forget the numbers. But essentially, it was a metric ton of airline stocks. At the absolute bottom, the all-time bottoms, before they went back up about 70-80%. You know what I mean? That's Warren Buffett. Largely considered to be the best investor of all time. He lost a lot of money, an awful lot of money. And if he had have held for two or three weeks, he would have made some money until he got out of those positions. Okay, So it's like, it's not easy. Nobody will get it right 100% of the time. No matter how much research you've done, how much due diligence you've done, how confident you are in a company moving in one direction, you're not getting it right every time. I mean, I'm not getting it right every time. I'm going to get some horrifically wrong. You know what I mean? And I'm going to do it in the public eye in front of loads of people. I've, I've seen big YouTubers do it as well. It happens to everybody. Absolutely everybody. It's not easy. That's mm. one. Two, you're not going to make a lot of money. You're really not. Most people won't. Okay. Unless you're playing with big money, you're not going to make a lot of money. I've spoken to a lot of people who want to get into investing. I'm like, that's fair enough. And they say, yeah, I have... I have 500 euro I want to invest, okay? Look, regardless of whether that's a lot of money or not, the odds of you making anything more than probably, on at a, if you're really lucky, 20, if you split that up among five companies, if you make 20% in the next couple of months, that's really lucky. That's 100 euro in two months. You know, unless you're playing with big money, you're not going to make a lot of money. So don't see the guys with the massive portfolios, the guys on YouTube who have, millions invested they're making a lot of money they need the market to move this much to make tens of thousands if you have 500 euro which again for some people is actually going to be a stretch you know what i mean you're not going to make much money the odds of you making a hundred percent in less than a year as somebody who doesn't know what they're doing is disgustingly low the odds of you making a hundred percent probably in two or three years is really low really low unless you know what you're doing you know what i mean so don't think it's a it's a get rich quick scheme this is something i've had to explain to a lot of people as well i mean I'm not trying to get rich off of investing whatsoever. You know, I just want my money to work for me. I'll be happy if I make a nice return. I do want a lot more than a 10 to 15% a year. I, I would be aiming for, personally, I would like about 100% a year over the next little while. Who knows if it's going to happen or not. But um, it's not a get rich quick scheme. And your money is at risk. I mean, everything I have in my portfolio is at risk. I could lose it all. If, if there was a freak accident, and for some reason, all 20-ish companies I owned went bankrupt tomorrow morning, that money's gone, and you can do nothing about it. So they're the main ones. I mean, you're probably not going to make a lot of money. Probably not. Mm. And I love the way you brought up uh, Warren Buffett because, yeah, he is considered, him and Charlie Munger are probably considered to be the, the you know best investors out there. And the way he made that mistake, you know, like nobody knows what, what they're doing. And another, another thing about Warren Buffett is that he spends the majority of his day reading and just like he has a big stack of, papers books whatever he, he wants to read and he literally just reads and he makes a few decisions per per year or whatever and i think that's the beauty of that like you know it's not just like always oh, doing you, you kind of have to understand the market you kind of have to understand what's going on understand the world in general so yeah as, as well keep in mind right warren mm. buffett a man worth billions and billions of oh, hundreds of billions worth, worth so much money mm. has a team i don't even know how big his team is right but let's mm. say he has hundreds and hundreds of people analyzing the stock market every second of every day he probably had a team of 100 people looking at airline stocks all of them put together worth hundreds of billions lost that much money on airlines three weeks before they shot back up some of them 150 plus percent in value you know what I mean? Even people who have that sort of money, that sort of influence, those sort of teams, 
make mistakes. You know what I mean? So obviously you or me or anybody else is going to make their mistakes. It's just yeah. about, I suppose, being being right more often than you're wrong, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. That's that's it. That's it. Yeah. Having the right judgment at the at the right times, I guess. Yeah. And I made comes... some bad calls. Like I what? Made, I've already made some bad calls. I, I saw one there's only one position really I made a decent loss. I bought Wells Fargo, a bank mm-hmm. stock. This was six months ago. My investing six months ago when I started investing, I was going to be the long term safe investor who gets ten to fifteen percent a year. What Wells Fargo banks went horrifically, horrifically. I, I saw that that position at like thirty five percent of a loss. Thankfully, it's when I didn't have much money invested. I had maybe two hundred euro invested. You know what I mean? Which for me, at the, for compared to my portfolio now, it's it's nothing. You know what I mean? So I'm like, that's again why I, I really like stressing the point to new investors. Like if if I had have had two grand in there, for example, that would have been a bit upsetting. You know, losing seven hundred euro off of a mistake. Whereas now, if I lost seven hundred euro off a mistake, I'd be it's okay because it was my mistake, and I, I would see it as worth a lot more than seven hundred euro. But back then, it would have been really disheartening. Since it was a small amount of money. I lost what? What would that have been? Seventy-five euro. It, it's all right. Like at the end of the day, I'm I'm not I'm not going hungry. You know what I mean? It's so I made that bad call. I still hold a couple in my portfolio that are down a little bit. I'm I'm in one oil-related company still, Enterprise Product Partners. Again, I've two hundred quid in them, which to my portfolio right now is nothing. But I'm down like twenty percent in them. You know what I mean? So everybody's going to make those plays. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very curious to ask you this. Um, what are you currently like mo- most excited about? Like, uh, is there anything like you're super, super excited about? Like, anything happening in your life that you're just like, wow, I can't wait for this or whatever. Just in life in general. Yeah. It's man. It's it's all just kind of lumped in together right now. I mean, I'm really excited to get to 50k subs. That that's one thing that I think is going to feel really, really cool, and mm. that could happen within. If, Next if week. All things going at this, six weeks realistically at this rate you know if, if things keep up at the going rate that's when that'll happen um as well m- money has always been a motivator to me as much as i don't really spend it i love making it this this i want to make as much as i can this month because i got set up very well off that sponsor and the fact i'm speaking to at least three other companies in regards to affiliate type deals right now so my goal this month is to make enough money where I can I can put up a post about it and people just think that's ridiculous. There's no way he did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm really excited to see what this month has in store because it's already guaranteed to be the best month yet, which is something I try to do. I try to make every single month better than the last. But like, I'm buying a new Mac. <laughs> that That's something exciting. Aside from that, it's just, it's all just one big exciting blur right now. Going to a hotel next week for the first time in a while. You know, that's exciting. There's just loads of little things, man. There's no one big life-changing event coming soon. I suppose one of my more um, somewhat me- medium-time goals, let's say, is I, I want to buy a house. I really want to buy a house. So uh, I would love to do that as early as next year and to be able to either buy it outright or have a very small mortgage. So like that's kind of my next my big goal. And I I would love to be able to do that next year. At this rate it could happen, depending on where we want to buy, etc. But yeah, I suppose that is that is the biggest thing right now. Exciting, exciting. Well, Jack, I think it's a good opportunity to finish up the podcast. But just before we do, I love to ask you some rapid fire questions. So what has been the hardest part about YouTube? learning at the start definitely just learning how it all works and getting used to working a lot Mm. and getting demotivated when you get 100 views (laughs) um what are you currently most curious about where i'll be in a year's time 
<laughs> that, that's it. I am. I, I can't really comprehend it. But yeah, where I'll be in a year's time. If you had three mentors, alive or dead, just always by your side, you know, just you can ask them a question at any time. Who would your three mentors be? Oh, jeez, man. Now you're asking the hard ones. Um, Warren Buffett's 100% going to be one of them. Oh, um, who, do I, who do I want mentors who are... Man, this might be weird, but I'd, lo- I'd still love to have Bob Marley here just to chill me out every now and again. You know what I mean? It's a weird one. Um, oh, I need somebody who just works really, really hard, a grinder. Maybe another investor. Maybe I'd even just take, like, Graham Stephan or something just for fun. You know what I mean? I'd be like, do you think this is a good thumbnail? And he could say, no, redo it. And, it- and then I'd just grow a bit faster. <laughs> love it. Bob Marley, Graham, and Warren Buffett. Deadly combination. <laughs> <laughs> especially bob marley <laughs> um when you think of the word successful who's the first person who comes to mind oh warren buffett jumped to my mind but he was probably already in my head but I, I, yeah a lot of people as long as you're happy i think that's really what defines success in all, in all honesty man hmm. warren buffett still jumped to my head first for whatever reason <laughs> maybe it should have been bob marley as well and <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could do it all over again uh, what three things would you change or do differently? I would have gone full time sooner. I would have so I would have believed in myself sooner, which meant I would have gone full time. I would have invested in my camera, mic, and got my wall painted sooner. This wall was the ugliest wall you've seen your whole life. If you look at my earlier videos, and I, I would have been more confident about it. You know, I was a bit shy about telling people what I was doing at first, saying I'm a YouTuber. I tried to sugarcoat it. I just I say it from the start. I just be confident and, and own it. Basically, mm. I love the way you said you know believe because I remember in the past interview you said you know believe in yourself you can do it be happy something like that but you yeah. you always have to you know kind of um, yeah. believe in yourself yeah. it's easy to say that but it's hard to actually do it yeah isn't it? You yeah know what I mean? well you did it um yeah, did if it. you could master any three skills instantly what would they be investing definitely uh probably something to do with negotiation because i think that could just bring you to amazing places and uh, a third one three skills <sighs> negotiation investing just being charismatic i suppose being likable you know what i mean being able to get on anybody's good side essentially that might come under negotiation as well just something along those lines being a a likable person i get you i get you um and what has been your most worthwhile investment now this investment might be time it might be energy it might be money just in general what has been your most worthwhile or useful investment (sighs) well definitely just what had to be time it had to be time it had to be the amount of hours that i put into the youtube channel you know what i mean i don't i i, I could i sure i grew probably to twenty thousand subs without a microphone or without painting my wall you know what i mean the equipment's not very important i grew to that many subs with a very small portfolio but i didn't grow to that many subs without putting in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours so yeah i think just putting in the graft really hmm. um what has been your biggest or most notable failure, I guess. And what did you learn as a result? In in life? In life, in general, whatever comes to mind. Okay. Has to be something big. There's been loads of little failures along the lines. Maybe just like an, an accumulation of of not giving up as weird as that might sound i think there's been a few times where i should have given up earlier and i ultimately have ended up prolonging that process like in regards to being a personal trainer for example you know i mean i knew that i should have been out there sooner but i put it off for a long time 
And then I figured out that once I was out of there, man, it was so happy, you know, being and doing something I actually love. So I know it's not exactly a juicy answer. I'm trying to think if there is a juicy answer, but that that's all I can think of. I know just putting things off, just an accumulation of that multiple times. No, I got you. It's, it's a hard question to answer on the spot anyway. So, um, and the other question I had for you is what would an 80 year old Jack tell or say to present present day Jack? He'd probably say, chill out a little bit more. <laughs> you know, he'd probably say, go, go do something. You know, get get off the videos for a little while. I'm 80-year-old Jack, I'm going to very soon, I promise, I promise. But that would probably be the only one. But as well, it's COVID, or else I would be doing more stuff. You know, I'd be on my holidays and stuff. I've already had to cancel two holidays so far, so. Jack, the very final question for you is, what is your definition of chasing passion? chasing passion man well look i think it's what i'm doing right now in all honesty it's just literally doing what makes you happy every single day not having to force yourself to do things you know like just have have a burning desire to actually do them you know even when you're tired even when you are motivated no matter how passionate you are about something you're not going to want to do it sometimes but just having that one thing that is always in the back of your head you know that you're always thinking about and just doing everything you can for it definition of passion is be willing to do 120 hour weeks while you're working a job for zero pay <laughs> you know what i mean that i think that's the definition for me i love it um where is a good place to go if they want to reach out to you if they want to find what you're up to where should people go where should people um reach out to you from um the best place to to get in contact with me would probably be instagram although i do have a big backlog of dms um discord is the best place to speak to me maybe i can send you over the link because it's it's a link it's hard to find it but i don't know if you link. yeah send it on on. i'll include in the show notes yeah because that's the place where i will always reply to people you don't even have to join my chat but if you just message me on discord i'll get back to you there whereas instagram i have like i think it's 300 and something dms in there right now i can't get back to everybody simple Mm -hmm. and anything else you want to say anything else you want to mention any words of wisdom anything else that comes to mind before we finish up well, first of all, just remember, I'm not a financial advisor. You know, I have the clothing line to prove it. Um, no, the main thing is just, you know, do that thing. Just do that thing. Like, stop putting it off. You don't have to, you know, quit your job and put everything on the line to do it. As I said, I kept my job while I was doing it for, for a considerable period of time, for months. But I just, you know, I stopped going out as much. I stopped drinking. I stopped wasting time. Just do the thing, man. And you'll know very quickly if you want to keep doing the thing or if you don't want to keep doing the thing. You know what I mean? If it's fun, if you're enjoying it, if you're willing to put your spare time into it, just do the thing. <laughs> Jack, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for pay- for making the time. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Dom. Thanks very much for having me on, man. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website ChasingPassionPodcast.com. Just before we finish up, would you consider leaving a short review on Apple Podcast? This will take less than 60 seconds and it'll help me out so much. You can find a link for Apple Podcast in the episode description or just search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and you'll find it right there. If you do enjoy the podcast, give it a share. Tell your friends. It will be super, super helpful. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.